You are listening to the Bellator Christi Podcast, brought to you by bellatorchristi.com. Now join your host, Brian Chilton, as we enter the arena of ideas. You know, it's important to have good relationships, and I'm very thankful that I have a good relationship with Ashley. I consider her a good friend. But you know, sometimes, some, I, I came across this story this past week. I had a friend up at Albion Baptist Church to share this, uh, this, uh, this story with me, and I have to share it with you. It's too good not to. Uh, the story goes that there was this pastor that had a bad relationship with the choir director. And I'm going to tell you, it's not a good idea for a pastor to have a bad relationship with a choir director because he or she chooses the invitational songs. Well, and, and fortunately in this church, the pastor had a bad relationship with the choir direct, director and this kind of spilled over into the worship service. Uh, to the point and degree that with, with every message that he preached, the choir director would choose something to go right opposite of what he said. For instance, on the first week, the preacher preached a sermon on commitment and how we must be moved to do great things for the Lord. The invitation on that day is, I shall not be, I shall not be moved. The second week, the preacher preached a message on tithing and how we need to give everything we have to the Lord. We need to, we need to give our, our, our tithes and offerings to the Lord. And the choir director that day chose the hymn for the invitational, Jesus paid it all. See that little, you know. Third week, the preacher preached on gossiping and how we should never gossip about one another. And the choir director, choir director wonderfully uh, picked out the hymn, I Love to Tell the Story. The fourth, uh, with all this going on, the preacher became very distraught over the situation. And on the following Sunday, said, told the congregation he was debating about whether or not he should resign. And the choir director chose the hymn, Oh, Why Not Tonight? <laughs> it came to pass that the preacher did indeed resign. The next week he informed the church that it was Jesus who led him there and it was Jesus who was leading him away and it was time for him to resign. And the choir director picked for the invitation that day, what a friend we have in Jesus. <laughs> so it's always a good idea to have good relationships, especially with the choir director. Amen, Ashley? It's always a good idea. You know, in today's time, we find ourselves uh, in many situations all across America, all across the world, where, where the church is divided over issues. And I want to tell you that even though there are certain issues that uh, will bring division, uh, such as theological issues and things about the integrity of Scripture, and those are the important things upon which to base uh, our commitment, our faith and trust to make sure that we're standing on the promises of God, not on the premises, but on the promises of God. But a lot of times, you know, and quite honestly, less than 10%, in fact, I've been told it's even around 1% of all church divisions and controversies are over theological issues. All the other 90 to 99% are over personal preferences, that I want to have this or I want to have that. 
And so today I want us to look at Acts chapter 15 as we continue this study. And in fact, this is going to be a two-part series. We're going to see two divisions that take place. And let me just say this today. A lot of times we have the impression that the early church had it all together. And you know what? Initially they did. They had seen the risen Jesus. The Holy Spirit had come down upon them on the day of Pentecost. You know, they were of one mind and one accord. But it took them exactly 15 years from going to having one mind to one accord to having the first ever church council where they had to settle an issue that was about to divide the church. And this issue may not seem all that important to us, but it's over the issue of circumcision and these food laws. Uh, Do we keep the old law or do we we go by the grace of God? And so what we find in in and through this is that the church was able to settle their differences. You see, I think the problem with us today is not that we don't know how to get along. I don't think that we know how to effectively disagree with one another effectively. Amen? I don't think we know how to accurately look through the circumstances and situations and be able to look at controversies, situations dealing with the facts instead of making it personal. So today I want to offer three points uh, through this so show us how we can bring God glorification through saintly unification. I've been reading a book for my next class. I, I just finished a class on the theology of the prophets, wonderful class And I have a class coming up this summer on theology of Paul. And we've been looking at several wonderful points about Paul's theology. But Scott McKnight said something that really resonated with me. He said, God receives the most glory when the church has the most unity. In other words, God is glorified when the church is unified. Amen? When we're at odds and we're at one another and we have division and we have discourse and a a discord and all these things, God doesn't receive glory in all of that. Amen? Biblical mathematics is that God adds and multiplies as Satan himself subtracts and divides. Amen? God is about adding people to the number of the church. God is about growing people in the faith. The devil is all about splitting us up into segments. The devil is all about bringing division to our lives. So as we look through this, we're going to do the same thing this week that we did last week. We're going to, as we bring these points, we're going to look at the Scripture and see what points that we can extract from this biblical text today. As we look at the first of two Uh, A two-part series, Bringing God Glorification Through Saintly Unification. Dear kind and gracious Heavenly Father, this morning as we try to rightly handle your word of truth, we just allow, Lord, we just ask, Lord, that you would come upon us with your precious Holy Spirit. And we would ask that through this message, Lord, that you would bring us together in one mind and one accord and, and the harmony that you provide in and through your Holy Spirit. And Lord, I just pray that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts that would apply these truths and be better for it. We ask, Lord, that you speak the words that need to be spoken and hold back any words that don't need to be spoken. Because it is in the name of Jesus we ask all these things. Amen and amen. We see three points, three ways that we can bring God glory through our unity. First of all, glorification by unification comes by first diagnosing the problem. Diagnosing the problem. Let's take a look at what happens in verses 1 through 5. And certain men came down from Judea and taught the brethren, unless you were circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. In other words, they're saying that it's Jesus plus the law that saves an individual. 
that you have to have Jesus plus you have to be circumcised uh, to uh, be a Christian. Therefore, when Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and dispute with them, now notice, no small dissension and dispute. This got pretty hot and heavy. Do you see what happens here? This was really a, a tumultuous affair in the church around A.D. 49. That Paul, uh, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders about this question. Let's find a resolution to this problem. Let's resolve this issue, they say. So being sent on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, describing the conversation of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy to all the brethren. And when they had come to Jerusalem, they were received by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they reported all the things that God had done with them. But some of that sect of the Pharisees, not all of them, but of that sect, who believed, rose up saying, it is necessary to circumcise them and command them to keep the law of Moses. Now, they had a problem, and they had to solve this problem. They couldn't ignore it. You know, a lot of times what we do when problems come and I'll be honest, I'm guilty of this. We want to sweep it under the rug and pretend like it's not there, don't we? Anybody ever done that? We want to pretend like it's not there. But you see, the problem is, um, it's kind of like what happened with me whenever I lived at the coast. I'm going to be honest with you. You can ask my wife. I'm not the best house cleaner in the world. You, you see that? <laughs> When it was even worse. I was a young bachelor living at the coast. And I'm going to tell you something I found out. When you live at the coast, you have all kinds of people that want to come see you. I had more people that invited themselves to my house when living at the coast than I ever have living here in the foothills. I've seen people I hadn't seen for years. Brian, can we stay with you for a few days? You see, they didn't really want to see me. They wanted to see that big mud hole behind me that was the Atlantic Ocean. That's what they really wanted to see. But what I would normally do is when someone came unexpectedly is I would get all the stuff that I had in the living room, all the stuff that I had, and I would just throw it all in a closet and close the closet. Well, I kept doing this and kept doing this until finally that closet door had a bit of a bulge to it. And people would ask, what in the world is in that closet? And they would open it up and everything would fall out. You see, I hadn't really resolved anything. I had just swept away the problem. You see, what the early church did is they diagnosed the problem. They looked at the problem as it was, and they were able to resolve this in two ways. First and foremost, resolving this issue or any issue in life includes examining facts, not faces. Examining facts not faces. Here's the problem we have. When we get in a disagreement, we make it emotional, don't we? We bring our emotions in it, and a lot of times what happens is we end up attacking the person rather than the facts of what's taking place. We end up making it personal, and we cause this division. And we see this all over the nation. We, you know, people all over the place are doing this. You know, we, we, get, we, we surround ourselves with like-minded people just like us, and we build up our own ideas, and we don't engage with what other people are trying to say. We really don't listen to what other people are trying to say. And notice that when Paul was talking about this, he didn't launch an attack against these Judaizers. He dealt with the facts that they were seeing. He dealt with what was taking place. So too often when a group uh, focuses on a decision, people segment into camps, segment into cliques, and make these issues more personal than they do about what's actually taking place. We've got to look at the facts, not the faces. Amen? 
We've got to look at the situation at hand instead of making it personal towards us. Now, I noticed a friend of mine who listens to my podcast and, look, and reads the articles I post online told me, he sent me an email, and he says, Brian said, um, there is an atheist blogger, I think in England, if I'm not mistaken, who's got a hold of your material and has raked you over the coals. You might want to go check it out. It's on this website called patheos.com. And I looked through this, friends, and I want to tell you, I, I had to end up laughing. I laughed. Because this was the biggest bunch of nothing I've ever seen in my life. This person was saying, well, this guy, just, he just doesn't know what he's talking about. He's a small town hick from rural North Carolina, doesn't know what he's talking about. He went to Liberty University. You know about those Liberty folks. Ooh, you know. <laughs> went to Liberty University. And to make matters worse, oh my goodness, he's a Southern Baptist. Don't tell anybody he's a Southern. He's one of those crazy Southern Baptists. I looked at this, and I had to laugh. This was the biggest bunch of nothing I've ever seen in my life. It was nothing more than a launching and a personal attack against me. And, I, and to go back in the wise words of Robin Walker at uh, Unify when I worked there, I've had a lot worse said about me from a lot better people. <laughs> so I didn't let that bother me, not in the least. Uh, in fact, as Jay Warner Wallace says, that means you're actually doing something right. If people are talking about you, amen. So the thing about it is, is when we get in these discussions and we get in these disagreements, let's make it about the facts. Let's be like Sergeant Joe Friday. Just the facts, ma'am. Look at the facts, not the faces. Number two, it includes the examining truth, not traditions. And we see this as well. You see, the Judaizers were looking back at a tradition they had been brought up with. And they wanted to impose this tradition upon these new Gentiles. And so, but the problem was that this was not what Christ had taught. Christ had taught a, a, a clear message that it was by grace through faith that you're saved. That, that He is the fulfillment of the law, not these old traditions, but he, is, he has brought forth a new covenant and we are freed by the grace of God by Jesus Christ. I want to give you three points, three things that I've learned that will help us find the truth. These things work as a baloney detector. This is actually called Socratic logic. It comes from Socrates. You don't have to learn all these mathematical equations. You see this in Scripture. Biblical writers use this. And this is an instant baloney detector if we can use it. First of all, define the terms. When you see a politician, they may be using words, but see how they're using that word. They may be using the word different than you think they are. Either a, a, either a, state, either a term is, is clear or unclear. If it's not clear, understand what the term is. Secondly, test the statements. If I were to go out there and say the sky is red, and you know what the sky is, you know what the color red is. If I went out and said the sky is red, and you look up and see the sky is blue, am I telling the truth? No, absolutely, I'm not. I told a lie. Amen. I, I told a lie because the sky is blue. Define your terms, test the statements, they're true or false, and then evaluate the argument. See if there's actually logic that flows through. And I'm going to tell you why this is so important, because this is an instant baloney detector. This actually worked with an article I read in the Winston-Salem Journal. Excuse me, I've got to shed this jacket. It's getting a little too warm up here. <laughs> According to the Winston-Salem Journal, they, post, they posted an article that said, North Carolina schools were among the lowest in the entire United States. They compared the North Carolina schools with Massachusetts. So using this logic, I looked first to, uh, to uh, define the terms. What did they mean by better? 
They said that these test results were better in Massachusetts than they were in North Carolina. Then I, I tested the statement. What statement did they use to test these schools? And here's where I found the problem. 100% of North Carolina schools were tested, but only 15% of the schools of Massachusetts were tested. You know what happened? They took the 15 highest-ranking schools of Massachusetts and compared it to all the schools of North Carolina. So that told me, one, that is a fallacious test. Number two, the argument doesn't follow. So what, you know what? The big imprintation on that, that article was baloney. That was full of baloney. In fact, we have wonderful teachers here in North Carolina. Amen? We have some wonderful teachers here in the state of North Carolina. We have some wonderful programs. So that was nothing but baloney with a capital B. So that's what we see going on with this first early church council. They examined the truth of what Christ taught to see whether it matched up to these traditions. And when they did that, they found, <laughs> they did that, they found that uh, it, was, it was baloney to say that we, you should require a person to be circumcised. So we see God gets glorification first by diagnosing the problems, but two, glorification by unification comes by deciphering providence. And this means we need to see what the will of the Lord is, and this is the most important thing. What is God doing? That's the most important thing. What is the will of the Lord? And I'll be honest, I'm a left-brain person. I would be completely satisfied if God would just send me an email saying, Brian, I want you to do this, 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 and this, and then this, 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 and this, and then a couple days from here, I want you to do this, 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 and this. But God doesn't work like that, does he? Oh, Lord, I wish you would do that, but he doesn't work like that. I wish that were the case, but it's not. Deciphering the will of the Lord sometimes requires us to see what God is doing around us and to test what he's doing. And this comes by two ways we see in this text. But first, let's read this passage of Scripture. In this council, you see Peter and Paul stand up. And, they, and they're deciphering the will of the Lord by seeing what God is doing and what the Scriptures say. In verse 6, Now the apostles and elders came together to consider this matter. And when there had been much dispute, Peter rose up and said to them, Men and brethren, this is Peter here, You know that a good while ago God chose among us that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. So God, who knows the heart, acknowledged them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us, and made no distinction between us and them, purifying their hearts by circumcision? What would that say? By faith. By faith, he says. Uh, now, now, therefore, why do you test God by putting a yoke on their neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear, but we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ we shall be saved in the same manner as they? Then they all, and then the multitude kept uh, silent and listened to Barnabas and Paul, declaring how many miracles and wonders had worked through uh, them among the Gentiles. And after they had become silent, James, now James is standing up here, answered saying, Men and brethren, listen to me. Simon Peter has declared how God at the very first uh, visited the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And then these, the words of the prophets agree. He quotes Amos chapter 9, verses 11 and 12, talking about how the Gentiles in verse uh, 17, who were called by his name, would be included in this group that he's rebuilding. In verse 18, "...known to God from eternity are all his works. Therefore I judge that we should not trouble those from among the Gentiles who are turning to God, 
but that we write to them to abstain from things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from things strangled from blood, from Moses has had throughout many generations those who preach him in every city being read in the synagogues in every Sabbath. So here's what they did. To determine the will of the Lord, they did two things. First of all, they deciphered the Holy Spirit's work. What was the Holy Spirit doing? And they looked around them, and Peter acknowledged the fact that at the day of Pentecost, they who were of the circumcision, they who had been circumcised, had received the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had come down upon them with great power and with great authority. But he also noted that these Gentiles who were coming to faith, who had not been circumcised, who had not been keeping these, uh, the food ordinances and things of this nature, they had received the same Holy Spirit that Peter and the apostles had received at the day of Pentecost. So he's saying, listen, if the Holy Spirit is accepting these people as Christians, as believers, why are you putting a yoke upon their neck when God is accepting them? Amen? Boy, there's some deep truths here. Amen? Why are we standing in the way of what God is trying to do? And friend, that's such a powerful thing because I want to tell you today that we don't have any chance whatsoever to do anything for the Lord if the Holy Spirit's not in it. If God's not blessing it and if God's not in it, it don't matter what you do, how much you do, it ain't going to work. And I realize that's not good English, but it's true. It ain't going to work. The Bible says to us, uh, in fact, P, uh, Paul t- says to us in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 17 and 8, 18, the Lord is the Holy Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, Melissa, we know this one from Liberty University, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Where God is there, where God is moving, where God is involved in things, we have freedom, we have liberty, we have the ability to do great things for the cause of Christ. I want to tell you something, beloved. Whenever God gets to moving, I can feel His presence. And when God's in a place, man, I'm telling you, there's nothing like it. But have you ever been to a church sometime before that is as dead as a doornail? You go in there, and man, you think, oh my goodness, when is this thing ever going to get over? And it's only ten minutes into the service. You think, oh my goodness. I've preached at churches before. I'm going to tell you where I stand up to preach, and man, I am just so oppressed and suppressed because the, the, the Spirit's just been quenched so badly there. I'm telling you, we can't do anything unless the Holy Spirit's in it. Amen? And so what we need to do is we need to examine to see what the Holy Spirit does. Now, one of the problems here is a lot of times we want to place our opinions as being God's will. But you know what that's like? Have you ever been to one of those fun houses and seen one of those mirrors? Those mirrors, I, mean, I love one of those mirrors because according to some of those mirrors, I'm tall and slender. Now, I'm only about that, th- that wide, but I'm tall and slender. And the other ones, I look about like that far and that wide. I mean, it's pretty bad. But if you look at a real mirror, you see the way things really are. The Holy Spirit is that mirror who allows us to see things the way they truly are. And we need the Holy Spirit and to evaluate the Holy Spirit, to understand that He is our guide, He is our power, He is our liberty. The, the true power and focus is not in a program. It's not in a committee. It's only through the Holy Spirit of God. Amen? Only through the Holy Spirit of God. Secondly, we not only see that we decipher the Holy Spirit's work, but we must decipher the Holy Scripture's words. Notice what James did. 
He goes back to the book of Act, I mean the book of Amos, powerful prophet. And he looks to see what Amos says in chapter 9, verses 11 and 12. And Amos gives this prophecy that when this new covenant would come, that God was going to reach out to people of all walks, of all nationalities, from every situation, to men and women, to slave and free, from every different socioeconomic status. Women, you were empowered by the grace of God, by the new covenant. Women didn't have any rights. But Paul says in Galatians that there is no difference between male and female, Jew and Greek, slave or free, for we're all one in Christ Jesus because of the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit did some powerful things. And this was prophesied by the book of Amos. So what they did is they went back to see what the Scripture said, and it verified what the Holy Spirit was doing. You see, God is not going to lie. God is truth. God has no lies. He's not, he, he cannot lie because God is truth. And so if He has told us something in His Word, He is not going to tell us later something that opposes His Word unless there is a fulfillment to something that's happened as we see in the Old, Test, uh, Old Testament uh, fulfilled in the New. So what we have to understand is we need to test the Scriptures, see what the Bible says about a certain situation, and see what the Holy Spirit is doing. And if God is moving us, if God is directing us, don't quench him we may move us out of our comfort zones amen but God hasn't called us I've said this before God hasn't called us to be comfortable he's called us on a commission he's commissioned us he hasn't come just so that we'll be comfortable he's come so that we would share the gospel message to a lost and dying world number three and finally God receives glory uh, glorification by unification comes by delivering the pronouncement. I'm just going to kind of skim through this last section. We see, first and foremost, there is this letter in verses 22 through 29 that uh, basically this recaps the, the solution to what's happened. They, 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 they pronounce to the churches all across what's taking place at this Jerusalem council. And uh, they actually apologized to the Gentiles that there had been some... That had, uh, that had that suppressed the relationship that they had in Christ. But they also go and they, they describe what had taken place. And they sent to them uh, Paul and Barnabas, Judas and Silas. And so they pronounced this uh, to take place. So this brings us to our first point in verses 22 through 29. Accepting, uh, delivering pronouncement means that we accept godly wisdom. We have to realize that we're not going to be right about everything. Amen? I'm going to be honest with you. God has blessed me to start this Ph.D. program, but I want to give you a little secret. I didn't realize how dumb I was till I started this. I, I, in fact, I, this has actually humbled me far more than I've ever been in my life because, man, there's some really smart people in this program. And I'm thinking to myself, how in the world did I get in here? <laughs> it's only by the grace of God. I mean, it must have been the same. Well, we're going to have pity on this guy. Just let him in. We'll just let him in just to make up that, fill up that extra spot, you know. But, uh, but, but we have to realize we don't know everything. And we have to be humble enough to realize that God is leading us and directing us. We may have had some things that we misunderstood in our life. But if we're accepting the wisdom of God, it'll transform us. It'll change us. It'll make us better. In fact, James tells us that if any of us lacks wisdom, that person should ask God who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to him. He says in James three seventeen and 18, The wisdom is from above. It's first pure. 
then peace-loving, then gentle, compliant, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering without premise or a pretense, excuse me, and the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who cultivate peace. Solomon says in Proverbs 19.20, Listen to counsel and receive instruction so that you may be wise later in life. If we want to grow in our relationship with Christ, we must receive godly instruction. Amen? We must receive godly instruction. I'm sure all of us can think of a time, maybe it was a grandparent, maybe it was a parent, maybe it was a friend or colleague, where, where God just gave that person the right word for you at the right time. And it's amazing how God does this. So it's important for us to listen to godly wisdom. But secondly, we, we accept a godly walk. Look what happened in verses 30 through 35. So when they were sent off, they came to Antioch, and when they had gathered the multitude together, they delivered this letter, this pronouncement that had come from the Jerusalem council. When they had uh, read it, they rejoiced over its encouragement. Now Judas and Silas, themselves being prophets, also exhorted and strengthened the brethren with many words. They preached them a good message to go along with this letter is what it means. And and they actually had two preachers preaching, so they may have been there for a while. Uh, So after they had stayed there for a time with two preachers, we don't know how long that time was, it may have been a while there, And they were sent back with greetings from the brethren of the apostles. Therefore, it seemed good to Silas to remain there. Uh, The evidence seems to suggest that he may have gone to Jerusalem and then later came back and stayed there, as we see in our next section. But Paul and Antioch also remained in uh, Paul and Barnabas also remained in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many other ideas. By accepting a godly walk, we put into practice what God is telling us. Amen. Understand, we can know everything there is to know about the Bible. I don't think we ever can, to be honest with you, because the Bible is a complicated book. But if we were to know everything there is to know about the Bible, it does not do us a whit of good if we don't practice it. Amen? James has a strong word about this. He says, you show me your faith, I'll show you my works. Faith without works is what? Dead. It means if you're not walking the walk, don't be talking the talk, is what he's saying. And so what we see when we try to resolve these issues, understand, we may not always get our way, but children, we will talk about this Wednesday night, how God is a parent to us. Did your parents ever let you have everything you wanted? Grace is the only one that said no. Lord, I apologize. (laughs) Come on, is there anybody else? Did your parents let you have everything you ever wanted? Absolutely not. But we heard you didn't get the ponies, did you? You didn't get the ponies originally. The thing is, is when we parent our children, we don't give them everything they ask for. Why? Because not everything they ask for is something they need. Amen? Not everything they ask for is something they need. So just because you ask God something and He doesn't come through doesn't mean He doesn't love you. It may have been whatever it was wasn't right for you. And you may not understand it right now. In fact, we may not understand it until we get to eternity. But the main point is is that we follow the Holy Spirit. We follow the words of Scripture. If we want to see power through the unity of the Holy Spirit and we want to see great things happening, we must listen to God because if we don't, we're already dead. Amen? If we don't, we're already dead. 
Let me close up with a couple more things. We're just about to wrap up. I spoke with a counselor one time. And this is why this is so important. Because you can't help a person who doesn't want to be helped. Amen? I talked to a counselor. In fact, I had asked him a question about this person uh, at another church where I was. And I won't give any specifics or any details about it. But, but a person was struggling and, and I gave some godly advice to this individual. What I, well, I, he said I did too. So I can say it was godly because he agreed with me. But uh, I gave some advice to this person. And I asked this counselor, I said, what else can I do? And he says, Brian, you've come to a, a difficult crossroads. He said, you've done all you can. The person has to listen. The person has to respond. He said, I'll give you an example. He said, I was counseling drug addicts. They were all ordered by the court to be there at my practice. And I was counseling all these individuals. And my wife, who was also certified in this as well, was looking around and noticed that one of these individuals wasn't to be found. We took about an hour break. And we looked out, and we saw her in her car, and she was doing drugs there in the parking lot. He says, you cannot help someone who's not willing to be helped. And so what I, my plea is for all of us as believers and all of us as a church is to understand that if we want to see a difference, if we want to see a transformation, if we want to see great things happen in this church and in our lives and in our communities, we must be willing to listen to the Holy Spirit because if we don't, He's not going to bless us. Amen? And that doesn't come from me. That comes from the Jerusalem Council in 49 AD. We see that exemplified right there in the pages of Scripture. We must be willing to listen to the Holy Spirit. And let me close with this. God is glorified when the church is unified. But I, I tell you, sometimes we, we, uh, we, we, we do things that are a little mischievous, don't we? You know, I mean, sometimes it's out of fun. I think the following story was out of fun. David Siemens, uh, author and professor at Asbury Seminary, tells a story about the campus where the seminary shared cafeteria facilities with Asbury College in Wiltmore, Kentucky. And on one occasion, they left out this uh, basket full of apples. And one of the people from the cafeteria wrote a sign saying, Take one apple, God is watching the apples. Take one apple, God is watching the apples. Take only one. Well, the cafeteria later that week had an abundance of cookies. And so they put out another thing of cookies there for the people of Asbury College. And one of the students wrote a letter saying, Take as many cookies as you want because God is watching the apples. <laughs> but Kenneth Gangale makes the point in his commentary, and I think he's right, that God not only watches the apples, God watches the cookies as well. He sees us when we're at church. He sees us when we're out and about. He sees us when we're at our work. He sees us at our play. There's no fooling God. How can you fool someone who's right there with you every time, everywhere? I mean, the psalmist even says, Where can I go to escape your presence? If I go in the deepest oceans, you're there. If I go to the highest mountain, you're there. Wherever I go, you're there, oh God. So I want to just tell you this today. I mean this for us as a church. We normally post these messages on podcasts. I would say this, if there's anyone else listening to this podcast online, that if we want to see great things happening in the church today, we must major on the majors and forget about being divided on the unessential details. 
What are the majors that God exists? Absolutely. That the, the Bible is the inspired and fallible and errant word. I believe that wholeheartedly. That uh, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, who was born of a virgin Mary, who died upon the cross for our sins, who was raised on the third day, who's coming again. Those are all the essentials. But let's understand that we have the freedom to disagree on these minute details, and especially when they come to personal preferences. Let's not divide over these issues. Let's focus and major on the majors and be united as a body of Christ Jesus. And that's my prayer for this church. That's my prayer for the entire American church and global church all around the world, that we as a church, as we are facing uncertain days, that we would be united because we all serve the same God, we're filled with the same Spirit. We're all going to the same heaven. Amen? And we're all on the same mission. So why don't we put aside our petty differences and keep our eyes upon Jesus Christ? So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to simply say to you today that if you're here today and you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to encourage you to come today and receive Him as your Savior and your God. Maybe you're here today and maybe you're struggling with some issue. Maybe there's something gnawing at you in your heart and your life. I want to tell you, you don't have to face that alone. You don't have to keep struggling with that every day. Why don't you come down here and lay it at the foot of the cross, give it to the God who can take care of your problems, because you know what? God's big enough to take care of our problems. Lay it down at the foot of the cross and keep your eyes upon Jesus and stay focused upon the mission upon which He has called you. Maybe you're here today and you want to join the ministry of Huntsville Baptist Church. Whatever God is saying and doing in your heart and your life, we just encourage you to come and respond to this powerful yet loving Holy Spirit that we've been talking about this very morning. Oh, Holy Spirit, we thank you because you are God. We thank you that you have not left us as orphans. But no matter what we've gone through in life, that you have come to us through Christ, the salvation we find in you. And you have filled our hearts with the promises of Scripture, with the promises of Christ. And Lord, I don't know what each person may be struggling with this morning, but we just ask, Lord, that if there's anyone here, first and foremost, that doesn't know you, that they would respond to your beckoning call. Maybe there's someone here today that's struggling with some issue in their life and they want to just lay it down and give it over to you. We encourage you, Lord, just to ask, Lord, that you'd move upon their heart this morning. Whatever you, whatever you, you know the circumstance of each and every person here today, I don't know the reason why you led us to this message today, but you did. We would just ask, Lord, that you would have your will and your way in this time of invitation. It is in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, our Lord and Savior, that we ask you. expressed on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of bellatorchristi.com or its affiliates. The Bellator Christi podcast is a production of bellatorchristi.com and is protected under Creative Commons copyright. All rights reserved. The theme song is Crucified, written by John and Kayla Lemonese, performed by Crosby Lane, and produced by Mansion Entertainment. 
be sure to visit bellatorchristi.com and subscribe so that you can receive all the articles and podcasts in your inbox for free. Catch us on iTunes, TuneIn, and Stitcher. For Brian Chilton, this is Burl Childers saying God bless, and we'll see you the next time as we enter into the arena of ideas. Who is God? What is He like? How can we know? The answers you give to these questions will have a tremendous impact on your worship, discipleship, apologetics, and evangelism. Faulty ideas about God are permeating both the church and the culture. It's time to get back to the basics of understanding the existence and nature of the God who is. Marking the 25th year of this annual event, Southern Evangelical Seminary's National Conference on Christian Apologetics returns to Calvary Church in Charlotte, North Carolina with an all-star lineup of some of the finest Christian minds in the world to explore this incredibly important topic. Join us October 12th through 13th, 2018 at Calvary Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Among the 65 speakers at the event include Ravi Zacharias of RZIM, Josh McDowell of Josh McDowell Ministries, Chip Ingram of Living on the Edge, Gary Habermas of Liberty University, Natasha Crane, Richard Land, and many, many more. Ticket prices before August 1st are $75 for adults, $45 for students. After August 1st, the tickets go up to $85 for adults, $55 for regular price. Save an extra 5% per ticket when you register by May 1st. Group, homeschool, Christian school, and skeptic discounts are available. Call for details by dialing 1-800-77-TRUTH, extension 201. Once again, that's 1-800-77-TRUTH, extension 201. Or go to conference.ses.edu. The 25th anniversary of the National Conference on Christian Apologetics will be October 12th and 13th at Calvary Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Hope to see you there. Some say the best Bible translation is the one that's most literal, word for word, through and through. But there's not always a direct English translation of ancient words. So others say the best Bible translation should favor readability, thought for thought, holding on to the same meaning. But we can all agree that the very best Bible translation is one you trust and one that you want to read, one that stirs your heart and moves you to share its truth. Christian Standard Bible has been shown to be an optimal blend of accuracy and readability compared to other leading translations. The very best balance, faithfulness to the original text, and clear language that connects to the heart. After all, it's not so much about changing your Bible translation, but about seeing the Bible 
change your life. Point your heart to True North, the Christian Standard Bible. The Christian Standard Bible is the official translation of bellatorchristi.com. Go pick up your translation of the CSB today. You're going to change this world for Christ. Don't look around and wonder who it is. Say, God, make it me. Make it me. Because we're training champions. That's a part of the vision. Write the vision. Make it plain. We're training champions to change the world. That vision of training champions for Christ to change the world is the foundation of Liberty University. It always has been, and it always will be. Everything we are today is built upon it. But while our vision hasn't changed since 1971, the world around us has. Fewer and fewer people understand what we mean when we say train champions for Christ. So we show them. We show them what authentic faith in Christ looks like through the lens of academics, athletics, through the way we have fun and the way we serve one another and the world. We show them that we the faithful, the bold, the united, and the brave are also we the creators, the innovators, the entrepreneurs, and the leaders. We the champions are committed to tackling the issues of our time with integrity and prayer. Our vision hasn't changed. It has strengthened, broadened, expanded. It has grown into over 550 programs of study, reaching into over 80 countries, uniting over 100,000 students into a beautifully diverse family with a singular vision. We the champions, in order to affirm our tradition of unwavering faith, Ignite a passion for wisdom, challenge perspectives, inspire creativity, and pursue knowledge. Do resolve to be the voice for the voiceless, bring healing to the hurting, fight for the oppressed, defend freedom, defy stereotypes, and follow God's call wherever it may lead. Find out more about Liberty University by visiting liberty.edu.